Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. There was a massive roach in my room, and I had to call. I'm scared of roaches. I had to call Gabby to come and kill it. Did she? Yeah, she did. She just texted she, me. She came from not in the same, in a different apartment building yeah. venue to go kill it. Wow. You know, that's I, how I knew. That's how I knew Ashley liked me when we first started dating. She called me to come over to kill like an ant infestation in her apartment. And like I got over there and she wasn't scared at all to ants. She just wanted my big manly brute strength around, just, you know, just to have. Yeah, I can do ants. Ants are fine with me. Anything like roaches, a creepy crawler, I hate those. I could I I can't sleep if I know one's alive in the room. Mm, yeah, it's a toughie. It's like what if he's like crawling on you? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. I had a my roommate um right next to me, he had a <laughs> He had a roach fall out of a vent right onto his face. Ah! No. <laughs> I would like, I would never like, I don't think I would ever be in my room again if that happened to me. It would have been it. Oh. We're so, man- We're so manly. Yeah. All right. Three. Talk about football. Is it talking about balls? Let's talk about guys named Tay Woody. <laughs> that seems like a He's a trench game. monster. <laughs> Is the cockroach gone? Yeah, I'm in a different room right now. So I I you're not in the same room as normal. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host, Brendan Sinone, joined by Zach Wallstein and a special Memorial Day episode of On the Bench. This is gonna be a fairly quick episode. We're gonna try to move through it here. There were enough newsy recruiting items to say for us to say, hey, you know what? On the holiday, let's podcast out. Let's get a few stories out that Zach has written this week, do some previews, uh, and do some good work on the holiday. So anyways, we're going to preview some of those stories and intel that Zach has had the last couple of days here on the podcast. So let's start off with the big scoop from the weekend. I thought, Zach, this was a pretty big deal. That's you caught up with Antavius Woody, FSU's interior office alignment commit from Alabama. Uh, he's been kind of a up-in-the-air not sure what's going to happen with him academically. Will he enroll? Won't he? Uh, and you have a pretty important update there. Yeah. So I got on the phone with Antavius Woody uh, two days ago. I think it was on Saturday or Friday, um, one of those two days. And and basically just, you know, asked him for an update on his situation because it had been a while since we, we'd spoken about it. Um, and he flat out told me that uh, he's expected or he's expecting to make it to Florida State's campus to enroll on June 20th. Um, he says that he's finishing up a class um, and basically the significant significance of that date. Um, the rest of Florida state's 2022 signees that didn't enroll in January are expected to enroll like basically right now. So like, from yeah, now until, yeah, like June yesterday 3rd. or today or in the yeah. next two or three days. Yeah. It's all happening yeah. now. So they're, so they're all making it to campus now. And Tavius Woody's going to finish up this class um, according to him and then expecting to make it to campus on June 20th. Okay. So the intel that we had, like even up until a few weeks ago, was 
he had one more class to finish up. And if he finished that up and he was in good shape, like then he was good to go. So that's basically what we're still like. There's now a date, there's a finish line, but he still has to take care of business in this, in the classroom for the final few weeks here of the, of the class. Is that my correct understanding, Zach? Sorry, yeah. I'm using confidence as I'm trying to explain it. Yeah, I'm sure he has to, you know, whatever pass. I don't know what the, the criteria is exactly, but I'm sure it has to be a satisfactory grade for him to for him to enroll at the next level. Well, it's good, though, that there's a date set. I think that's a, a pretty significant step forward in, uh, in finalizing that. And if he does end up getting on campus, as he's kind of expecting right now, I guess what's the significance of, of having an extra offensive lineman here on the roster? I mean, I think it's huge. Um, you know, he his ranking dipped a little bit towards the end, but he was widely considered as a, a blue chip prospect. Um, you know, for for the entirety of his recruitment, um, and then he he dipped like into a high three star range at the end, Par- partially because we believe that he, there was qualification concerns, right? Like if he was good to go, I, I don't so. know if that would have probably fallen. Is my understanding? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's huge. He's got a really. Um, I remember when he committed. Uh, we were told that his wingspan was pretty impressive and that it was so impressive that at only 6'3", they were considering starting him at uh, one of the tackle positions, which was surprising to us. Um, But considering, you know, how much wingspan plays a a factor into how tackles uh, succeed on the field, um, I I think, you know, that's that's an interesting thing. And I think just having bodies in that room, capable bodies, is always something that Florida State's lacked. Um, And it's it's... It's even better just, you know, for Alex Atkins moving forward to develop guys in that room um, for later on in their careers that have the potential, that have the ability to go out and, and start in a few years. And he's kind of building that depth um, that we haven't seen here in a while. Alex Atkins loves his wingspan. And if you folks haven't checked out Antavius Woody's senior highlights, go ahead and do so. It's a lot of fun. They put him at fullback sometimes and he moves really, really well. For a guy who's 300 pounds so there's some moldable clay to work with there if you end up getting him on campus as currently is is believed right now uh the only other updates on offensive line recruiting seem to be fairly positive right now be knock on wood like cautiously optimistic with this act but i think fsu is in a pretty good spot for both uh juco offensive tackle prospect makai lee he's got three years to play three i believe um and someone who we expect to take an official visit later this month and then Justin Tarantine, the South Carolina transfer as well. I think FSU is in pretty good shape for him too. Um, and they're going to make the numbers work out, it sounds like. So if those end up happening as expected, if you get Tate Woody as expected, you're talking about like depth that, you know, maybe a month ago, you know, after the Marius Mims thing kind of fell fell flat and, and didn't happen, uh, was really concerned about what the depth would look like on the offensive line. But if all three of those end up happening, it'd be a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I, and, you know, I think, I wonder if the Antavius Woody situation affects, you know, taking either of those guys, although we know they're they're those are unique situations that we'll get into, I'm sure later on. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see what happens on Makai Lee's official visit if FSU's, you know, full in on him. Um, Cause we believe they are. Um, I just, you know, I believe he's set to visit official visit on June 10th mm-hmm. and I expect him to make a decision soon after that. I think part of it is just making sure that his grades are good to go and that he'd be someone that you can go all in on and extend a you know committable offer to. And if that, you know, those boxes, uh, since Chris is in here, I'll say since those, if those boxes are indeed checked, then, then I think there's a really good chance he'll be in the class. Uh, 
So yeah, so that's offensive line recruiting. Let's move on to a development. And we talked about last week, Zach, the quarterback board expanding 2023 with a couple of offers going out. And then a few days later, Twitter was all in arms about it. I think it was on Saturday. Chris Parson posted a couple, that's current quarterback commit, Chris Parson posted two different scholarship offers, one from Mississippi State, the other from SMU. Uh, so that's got people abuzz and, and talking. I have my thoughts on it, but I want to get yours first and, and see what kind of context we could provide to either calm people down, give them uh, the, the answers they're looking for, any kind of any anything that you have, Zach, would probably be helpful because people are a little on edge right now with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't obviously it's something because if you look at Chris Parsons Twitter or Instagram feed, he has not posted, you know, his offers that he's been getting. And, you know, he's de- he's definitely gotten scholarship offers while being committed to Florida State. Um, and just not posted them um, just out of respect because that's usually what happens um, when you're commit. Um, but he posted those two, like you mentioned, Mississippi State and SMU. Um, you know, I don't believe that this was some sly effort to try and, you know, get back at the staff or whatever people are saying out there um, about what Chris Barson is posting. Um, I think he's in communication with with FSU's coaching staff about these offers, about posting them. Um, and I truly don't think it's a it's a huge deal. I mean, what what's your take on it? Yeah, I what you said, what you hypothesized, I could confirm that he has been in contact with FSU's coaching staff and let them know about the offers and let them know about posting the offers as well. And that's all, all you can ask for as a coaching staff is to be be in communication and be clear with what's happening. Uh, I expected part of me was really cynical initially, Zach, and, and probably still is to be honest, but I, I'm trying to be less cynical with this, is that you know, when the offers went out to the 2023 quarterbacks last week, my initial thought, and you know, TJ had me on spaces on Friday, and he asked, like, do you think Chris Barson will be a part of this class ultimately, like when it when it's time to sign? And my gut, what you know, a few days ago was no, and my gut still is no, I don't think he will be a part of the class. But that's just me speculating. Like right now, FSU is still in communication with Chris Barson. He's still committed. He's still communicating with them. They have talked to him about having two quarterbacks in this class. So it's something that's been in the works for you know a couple months, I think, weeks at least, but but I think a couple months. So I just view this as him really kind of letting other schools know as he gets those offers and just letting other people know, hey, I'm willing to listen, which I think Florida State is fine with. They knew that was something that could happen. Once they started expanding the board, they're expanding their board. He's expanding his options. The two are still committed to one another. FSU would still absolutely still take Chris Parson and be excited about it. They just want another quarterback. And at the same time, I think he's well within his right to look at his other options as well and say, hey, is there a scenario where I maybe would be the guy, right? Or uh, if I am a number two, would it be a number two, you know, in that class and not number two, like in ranking of one and two, but just the second guy? would it be a maybe a more appealing fit for me? So, yeah, I don't think this is as insidious as some people made it out to be. I think it's just kind of the cost of doing business when you kind of start expanding your options a little bit. Does that all make sense, Zach? Yeah, and I think the most, you know, when we have to really worry um, is if he starts taking visits, right? Like all these offers are, or whatever, if he's posting offers, you know, it could mean something, it could mean nothing. Um, but it really doesn't matter unless he starts stepping foot on other campuses. 
Oh, he did post on the Instagram yesterday that he was in Mississippi and we started looking up uh, geolocations and where, where Gaither, Mississippi is. And I think he's just going home to uh, to see family because he's from Mississippi initially. But but that's hey, that, this is going to give us some uh, unnecessary drama or some like manufactured drama for the next couple months as we try to like follow breadcrumbs and whatnot. So it's just, you know, welcome to the world of covering recruiting. This will be fun. Uh but yeah, that, that's all I have on Chris Parson right now. Do you have anything else, Zach? No, I think we covered it well. All right. He's, I believe, set to come check out FSU a couple times this summer. And as long as that happens, yeah, I, I, this doesn't seem as dramatic as maybe as someone like for it to, to be. Uh, it's got to let it, let it play out. Let's move on to, well, we'll kind of set the stage. We dropped some hints at different things happening here in June. Uh, it's about to be a really busy season for Florida State's coaches and uh, prospects. It, it's June camp season coming up here, and there will be the mega camp again on June 5th. So that's this upcoming Sunday. Uh, there will be some seven on sevens, big man camps. Uh, there's going to be a ton of activity. And Zach, you're about to be a very busy man yourself. I hope you have the sunscreen prepared, and you're uh, you're bracing for this this month ahead. And that starts when Saturday with a special event. Yeah, so Saturday is Florida State's uh, elite camp. They had it last year. It was like the elite showcase camp. Um, I don't expect it to be as star-studded as last year. They had multiple five-star prospects. Obviously, they had a lot more momentum. But I do actually, you know, it, it surprised me. There, there's some some quality names on the list so far that are expected to make it in. Um, one of those guys that I confirmed this morning, four-star edge rusher commit Lamont Green Jr., is expected to be at the camp and, and you know working out with John Papuchis and Odell Higgins Boots. on the line. Um, but yeah, there, there's a couple other guys, and uh, later this week we'll post a list of, of you know the full list of guys that are expected to make it in. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's how they're going to kick the summer off, and then like you mentioned, the mega camp the next day. Obviously, that's not as recruiting centric. That's more about you know getting lesser talented guys opportunities um from from all the schools that are good, expected to be in attendance which i believe is over what 30 now i think it's at 30 and not, it's not gonna be quite as big as last year but also last year was yeah, coming out of the pandemic and, and not a ton of uh well there was no really recruiting stuff before then so that was a lot of players I and mean, i think they had three thousand players that ended up being there uh and they had 50 or so schools um and, and so yeah it was a huge event it's still gonna be a really big event but uh, not as uh, frenzied to kind of get, you know, for recruits to be seen or for coaches to get out on the road and see guys because you have a little bit more uh, tape to go off of now. But yeah, that should be a good event. It's more of a networking event is kind of how I look at it, Zach. Like for the other coaches to kind of get eyes on not just different under the radar prospects, but then to talk to coaches at other schools or from other colleges. A bunch of high school coaches are there too. It's a big networking event. It's almost like a mini convention uh, just out in the hot heat of June. Yeah, I wouldn't call it the most comfortable uh, convention just because of how. I mean, I remember last year. I I don't think I think I only lasted like an hour or two out there before I had to turn it in. I was. I mean, that whole first week of June last last year was tough. Well, we also had the midnight madness yeah. or whatever it was called then. Um, so there was that, and then they had the elite camp that very next day, if I'm not mistaken, on the timeline. And then the day after that, or maybe two days after, they had the mega camp. So, yeah. And Zach looked rough by the end of June. Him and Nee, both of them, just looked uh, – they'd been beaten up a little bit emotionally, physically. 
It was worth it. Was it? I don't know. But <laughs> I, the good thing is, is or I don't know if it's good, but I think it's important to set the expectation for June um, because obviously, like you mentioned last year, that was, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, kids hadn't been on any campuses for a year and a half. That's obviously not the case now. All these prospects have have been visiting everywhere um, over the spring. Um, so it'll be a little less, you know, hyped up. Um, but I still, you know, the official visit weekends look, you know, pretty solid for Florida State. Um, you know, they're they're pretty comparable to last year. I think it's important to note that I think Florida State's actually taking on more summer officials than I expected they would. Um, we saw them do a lot of big visit weekends during the season last year for Notre Dame, for Miami, and those turned out pretty well um, for those two games that, you know, the team actually performed well on the field. But but I think Florida State's doing more of a focus on the summer officials because the prospects can actually be around the coaching staff the entire time, whereas if they're visiting on a game weekend, they're really not spending that much time with the coaching staff and and truly getting a, a feel for the campus. It's really centric on the game, um, centered on the game. And, and I think uh, Florida State likes it um, where, where they can spend more time with the prospect. Obviously, the game spectacle has its own benefits, and that's why schools like to bring prospects on campus for official visits for in the fall. Um, but I think FSU is more centered on the summer this year, and they're also trying to bring some kids in uh, in December before the early signing period, I'm told. That's what I was going to get at, Zach, is I think there's a timeline difference than last year, too, because of the aforementioned recruiting halt uh, amid the pandemic. I don't know if the pandemic's technically, is it still a pandemic, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So we're not declaring that the pandemic's over, but life's a little bit like more normalized than it yeah. was before. But any, anywho, not to uh, get on a tangent or detract there. Uh, what I was going to say is last year, you know, think about guys aren't able to visit schools until June. Right. And so you might get like four official visits if you jam it all into June and try to hurry up and make your decision. But I think there was a lot of recruits who wanted to kind of go into the season and take their official visits through the season as well. So FSU had the wave of like where they tried to get, you know, a good chunk of the guys from in the class in the June uh, cycle. You know, that late, you know, Manny Diaz uh, fake momentum comment, like they were legitimately trying to get guys at the end of June. And then we're hoping that they can get to six or seven wins and, and finish off the recruiting season strong in December, which isn't what happened, but they nailed the first part of it. The timeline though is going to be a little different this year because guys have been able to get to campuses and been able to do junior days. They've been able to have coaches come out and see them during spring practice. Now we'll have the June camp session. Uh, so I'm assuming that a bigger majority of the recruiting class, not just FSUs, but, but nationally will be ready to make decisions by the end of June, after they get three or four official visits in, uh, they'll probably less, you know, swayable commits or uncommitted players in September, October, November is kind of my thought as well. So uh, if you can go ahead and be really aggressive here in June, get guys locked up after they've taken a majority of their official visits uh, before their senior season, I, I think that's a really sensible strategy. Um, and FSU looks like that late June, that final weekend of June is when they're stacking, stacking the deck and trying to get the most guys as possible, which you always want to be the last one before someone commits. Uh, that's that's a pretty good strategy. Yeah. I mean, that we, that last weekend has some real, you know, real dudes on it. 
Um, June 10th also looks like a, a pretty big weekend as well. Um, we, we've covered some of the guys on there, but yeah, I'm excited for that last weekend. I mean, Lucas Simmons, the four-star offensive tackle, then Keldrick Falk, four-star defensive lineman. FSU's mm -hmm. getting both of their last official visits before they decide. Um, I think that could be huge. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how that, you know, the entire month of June plays out for Florida State. Currently for that June 24th weekend, that final weekend, there are one, two, three, four, five top 220 prospects currently uh, slated to visit. And then you have Kalen Webb uh, and Tavion Gadsden as well uh, as official visitors right now. Uh, that can obviously change a little bit. And then that June 10th one that Zach alluded to is going to be fun as well. You're going to have Ricky Collins, uh, Luke Burgess, offensive lineman that they're pretty high on. Potentially Shelton Sampson as well, which would make sense because he's uh, from the same area as Ricky Collins. Uh, so you have a lot of Louisiana flair as well on June 10th. So we'll get into the official visits and, and uh, I guess, previews, reviews, whatnot when those happen. But stuff's about to get really busy for us. So please uh, give uh, Zach and Chris a little bit of slack if they're not able to hop on the podcast with me uh, like the day after an official visit. We'll try to make time. But those boys are about to be uh, – really really busy coming up here is there anything else that we want to discuss preview hint at zach um i posted the fsu's top 10 most wanted uh list over the weekend you guys can, can give that a look and give your opinion on it on those 24 7 that's always a really uh you know controversial sometimes uh was that your, was that your first one your first yeah that was my first one Car wow. carrying on the newberg legacy um uh, r.i.p josh yeah had to do it but yeah so if you guys want to give that a look, um, and obviously, like like Brendan said, we'll be really busy in June, but I but I expect us to have a ton of content pushing out um, over this next month. So stay tuned to Knowles twenty four seven for the latest. Oh wow! Did you just wrap up the podcast for us? Stick the landing, Brendan. Well, you stuck it, but unfortunately, I think we also want to hint at something. So so you didn't really oh. quite you didn't really quite stick the landing because there's more landing to be stuck. That's what I'm getting. I at. Forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to set you up for it, but that's my fault. We didn't discuss that pre-show. So uh, hopefully in the next couple of days here, I hate to, now Christine always told me not to put a timeline. You know, in the near future, we should have a fun, exciting announcement at Knowles 24-7 that, that Zach and I are very much so looking forward to. Chris is as well. Dane, uh, we're, we're very excited about the future of Knowles 24-7, some cool things happening. So knock on wood, hopefully it all is wrapped up and um, something that we can announce soon. Thank All you right. for sticking the landing. Stick, stick in that. Stick in that landing. Take that landing. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.